let us start on a journey where we rediscover the past. This is the Son of Prometheus podcast, where we will dive into various topics and bring back a love of learning. So grab a sandwich, a drink, and get comfortable, for we are his children, and I am the Son of Prometheus. Welcome everyone to the first episode, where I will provide you all with an entertaining telling of history. Be sure to subscribe as we continue on our journey together. As his children, let us continue. Let me tell you a story, but not really a story. It is the truth, but also a myth. This is the story of Caesar. No, not the salad dressing or the casino. His life involved civil wars, grand conquest, and even that line from Shakespeare, et tu, Brute? However, that is the end of his story. To begin, we travel to an island, Sicilia, located in the middle of the Great Sea. There, an epic war, on par with our own modern world wars, was fought. A family from North Africa, born in the city and empire Carthage. We call it that, but no emperor hiding in disguise sat on a throne. It was ran by the rich merchants, because in Carthage, money equals power. And it didn't matter if you got it last month or centuries past. Sounds more like modern capitalists to me. The family known as Barca, named after the famous speed of the family founder, Hamilcar Barca, translated from Punic meaning lightning. He was a father to several children. One son, however, would outshine him as we continue our story. Rest assured, this is the story of Caesar. After nearly 17 years of brutal fighting between the superpower Carthage and the upstart Latin state of Rome, Hamilcar is given command of what is left of Punic forces in Sicilia. With no chance of reinforcements due to Roman command of the sea, he would pin down several smaller enemy armies, always trying to lure out the main Roman army, besieging Lilibaeum, the last stronghold of merit. Using real tactics, he held the status quo for six long years. When his government grew tired and bored of this war, especially after one last Punic fleet was destroyed. They sued for peace with Rome. The Romans agreed. Hamilcar was allowed to leave under arms. This was a sign of respect from the Romans to an undefeated foe. Being a clever man, Hamilcar gave up his command before he left. A small note, Carthage hired mercenaries to fight. Including among these were Numidians, Libyans, Greeks, Latins, Celts, and Iberians. So as each group of mercenaries arrived back at Carthage to receive payment, they were dismissed back to a camp near Sica. So as an ambassador from Carthage, Gisco, the man Hamilcar left in command, he gave the bad news that due to the long war and the tribute to be paid to Rome, there was just no money to pay the mercenaries. So in response from the Garrosia, the Punic version of Congress, 
the many mercenaries sent a response letter reminding the Punics of back pay and bounce checks. Their leaders went to Carthage in protest. Fifteen gold a month? It's called a living wage. Sadly, the Punics denied their rightful pay. As a last resort, the large Libyan mercenaries easily convinced their friends and families and local communities to rise up in rebellion against the tyrants from Carthage. The upper class realizes the dire state that they were in, offered to finally pay in full. But now, this was not enough. The mercenaries' honor has been dragged through the dirt. The pay demanded only raised up by every visit of the Garcia. Like a credit card debt, Paying it off now seemed impossible. Now quickly seeing the scale of chaos, the state organized new mercenaries, loyalists, and drafted their capable citizens into a new army. Putting this army under Hamilcar Barca was an obvious choice, especially after the massive defeat of Hanno. The mercenaries would lead Carthage to a near-breaking point during their years-long war. Even with untalented commanders, the mercenaries led a war to the walls of Carthage itself. In the end, Hamilcar proved his haters wrong and won brilliantly. The battle known as the Saw, Hamilcar would box in 40,000 mercenaries, including most of the veterans and leaders. They would all be slaughtered here. This story surely, but not definitely, foreshadowed Hamilcar's son's famous battle. With most of the original mercenaries pardoned, the last of the mercenaries under arms distracted the Punics long enough for Rome to occupy the island of Sardinia. Hamilcar sent Rome to Rome to immediately return the island. The Romans told them, if you want it, come and take it. Fearing a double war with no money and an exhausted military, the Punics agreed to pay even more money to Rome. Kick him rather down. Right? This decision would haunt the Punic perception of Rome. At the end of the day, Hamilcar sees a loss of Punic control of their rich islands, a devastated interior of Africa. So to quickly pay the Romans, he looked west towards Iberia, modern day Spain, Portugal, and Andorra. He would go there and rebuild Punic fortunes and his own as well. He takes his oldest son, Hannibal, however not the cannibal, but a boy of nine years old, to the temple of Baal Halaman to make an offering. Now, I should mention that Carthage regularly made child sacrifices, especially to this god, Baal Haman. So, I don't know what Hannibal was thinking when his father brought him there, but happily, it was for him to swear an oath of undying hatred of Rome. Most sensibly, he swore it on the altar. With this in place, Hamilcar sailed to Iberia, where some towns were under Punic control, especially in the south. Using his free hand, he would spend the next several years fighting and conquering the southern Iberian tribes. In a final campaign, like most successful men of his age, now don't be surprised, he was betrayed by his allies. In the deep north, Hamilcar ordered a retreat, realizing the dangerous situation he was in. During the retreat, Hannibal was being pursued by the enemy in a last ditch effort to save his son. 
the old general threw himself into the fray, allowing his sons to escape. Hamilcar would die somewhere out there in the wilds, so far from home, in a land completely different from his birth. After the campaign, command fell to Hamilcar's son-in-law, Hasdrubal. He would continue fighting and also build a new system in Iberia for Barca to rule. Carthago Nova, or New Carthage, was founded as their capital. During this time, Hannibal would learn how to rule the people. Hasdrubal would be killed by a pissed-off attendant. At the age of 26, yes, 26, Hannibal, by claim of the armies in Iberia, was named commander. No doubt, with plans already made, he would make truth to his oath. Rome had a price to pay, with interest. An allied city of Rome called Saguntum in eastern Iberia became his first target. This town was well within Punic, or should I say, Barcid control of influence. A Roman embassy would arrive and question or threaten him to break off the siege. He would not play ball with their wishes. Next, the embassy went to, to the Garcia and condemned them for aggression. In a fit of calculated anger, the head ambassador from the Senate held up two scrolls and said, I hold both peace and war in my hands. What say you? The head of the Garcia, the Sulfid, responded in kind, denouncing the Romans as the oathbreakers they were. He loudly proclaimed, Let us have war. This would begin the Second Punic War. Next episode, we will follow Hannibal and his journey against Rome, and end ultimately in the man who bests him, Scipio. Thanks everyone for watching, and remember, we are his children, and I am the son of Prometheus.